This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The first place Capitals meet the Bruins again tonight. Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy reflects on his time in Washington. The Penguins blow a big lead to the Flyers. More on the Mass Mutual East. Latest on the race. It's all coming your way here on Caps this morning. Today is Friday, March 5th. Welcome to the show. John Walton and Ben Raby with you. The Capitals at 13-5-4. All alone atop the Mass Mutual East Division at 30 points. Actually, not all alone anymore because the Islanders tied them last night with another big win over the Buffalo Sabres. Everybody beats the Sabres these days. So both with 30 points. Boston three back at 27. Yaroslav Halak going to get the start tonight for the Bruins, Ben. And the Caps, the most points in the NHL since February 16th, going 7-1-1. and There's a lot of good things going on with the local hockey club right now. Putting that four-game winning streak on the line now, seeking their longest winning streak the Capitals will be since November 2019. So a year plus ago, early in the 1920 season, and the Capitals getting it done, checking a lot of boxes, play defensively, very impressive. Four straight games, allowing the opposition two goals or fewer, just seven goals total allowed by the Capitals in the four games. We'll see if that stingy defensive play continues and if the physicality carries over from the opener on Wednesday night in Boston. Yeah, let's talk about that physicality. Uh, Trent Frederick entering the chat. Uh, usually <laughs> we're talking about Brad Marchand and all the things he does. Brad's probably like, hey, that's uh, that's pretty good there, Trent. I barely knew what this guy's name was a couple of games into the season against Boston back in late January, and now uh, very much a focus from the nasty, agitating, feisty mm-hmm. side for this game too tonight. And you know where my ears actually perked up on Trent Frederick? Credit to Zach Fish when he was filling in for you a few weeks ago when the Bruins were in town. Trent Frederick dropped the gloves with Tom Wilson, and immediately Zach had the nugget, led the AHL in penalty minutes a year ago. So he comes by it honestly. This is what Trent Frederick does. And he got Tom Wilson out of the game weeks ago, five minutes each for fighting, and that propelled the Bruins. They lauded him after the game, Trent Frederick, Said that, that helped them change the momentum. They were patting him on the back. Said that propelled them to a comeback win. And then on Wednesday night, Frederick trying to get under the skin of Alex Ovechkin and ultimately took him out of the game for a couple of minutes there in the third period. You're the Capitals come tonight. You you let Trent Frederick run around. Somebody maybe has to take care of him, but it's not Ovechkin. It's not for Tom Wilson. You need those guys on the ice. Maybe it's Garnet Hathaway. Maybe it's Brendan Dillon. If this continues... Someone needs to put Trent Frederick in his place, but I don't want Ovechkin or Tom Wilson to, to have to do it. So we'll keep that in mind if, if that's a, a you know storyline to monitor in this game. But the physicality in general up and down the lineup, I thought it had a good physical tone, a good physical edge, playoff-like atmosphere, as we said. Trent Frederick and that extracurricular activity, we'll see if that carries over now tonight. Yeah, and to your point, it was hard enough getting offense going with the first game of this two-game set. Uh, you need all your offensive weapons out there, Ovechkin, Wilson, and the rest. Yeah, no, no reason really to think that this is going to be any different tonight, right, Ben? Uh, I, hearing what Bruce Cassidy had to say about his team, they want to be quicker. They want mm-hmm. to be able to get that first pass out of the zone. He's still dealing with youth on his side and filling in some gaps. It's been difficult for the Bruins, and they're not finding a lot of offense outside of their top line right now. I would think that they would think physical is the way to go. And you know what? That could be a recipe for success for the Capitals as well. Easier said than done. But we talked about it going into Wednesday night's game. This is still a very thin 
Boston Bruins blue line. They're banged up on that back end. No Kevin Miller, no Jeremy Lozon, some of the bigger. And this is why they went out and they, they picked up Jared Tenorti off waivers to try to add some size and some physicality on the back end. It's a, it's a blue line right now that I think could be exposed at the Capitals. If they could get in on the forecheck, if they could do the things Bruce Cassidy's talking about for Boston, get in on the forecheck, be physical, force the Bruins into turnovers in their own end. I think that could bode well for the Capitals. Again, easier said than done. But I don't know that the Capitals took advantage of that blue line. First, you have to gain the offensive zone, of course. But I don't think they took advantage of that Bruins blue line enough uh, on Wednesday night. And we'll see if they could they could tonight. But again, the Bruins are obviously trying to do the same thing. Playoff atmosphere, physical, and uh, tough sledding offensively. All things you may see come Stanley Cup playoff time. We'll see what happens tonight. There's a lot of things, Ben, on this road trip that have gone well. When you go 3-0, and looking to go 4-0 and in this one tonight. One thing that has not... The power play, one goal in the last 12 entering play tonight. And Alex Ovechkin, to me, does not look – and he did have 16 shot attempts, and it wasn't through lack of trying. I thought he was completely engaged in the game on Wednesday, but I also don't think he's 100% healthy right now. Yeah, and, and it ties in with the power play. The one-timer, the patented one-timer from the left face-off circle, I'm not sure at the top of my head how many of those we've seen him get cleanly this year, but it feels like it's not as much as it has been in years past and thinking to one of his power play goals, I think a game winner a couple of weeks ago against New Jersey on the power play, TJ Oshie gave him a terrific feed. He was at the side of the goalpost. He was in close. He was in tight. And I think he has a couple of power play goals. A couple of his power play goals have come from that spot to almost atop the crease, real tight in close. The patent, a one-timer from the left face-off circle. I don't know if that's a timing thing. I don't know if that's a physical thing. If it's injury related, I don't know. But it's been off. It hasn't been there. And as a result, it seems they're, they're moving him a little bit uh, on the power play as well to try to give him some different looks. But I do think, John, you're right. I know he had the, the maintenance day last week and he was a, a late. He was a game time decision on Saturday. I'm encouraged by the way he's played the past two games, the Sunday afternoon in New Jersey and Wednesday night in Boston. Maybe he's not 100 percent, but the past two games, I, I thought he's, he's, he's looked pretty solid. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And another guy that I think made some progress, he is not where he needs to be at this point, but in hearing what Peter Laviolette had to say after the game, Evgeny Kuznetsov, some progress, hoping there's more progress and hopefully some goals, not mm-hmm. anything really in the way of goals from Evgeny so far this season. And hopefully that begins as he continues to try and catch the moving train. It was after the COVID protocol and now the injury. It's been one thing after another for him so far. And Laviolette didn't ease him in on Wednesday night, skated a season-high 20 minutes and change. First time he was over uh, over 19 minutes, and it was 20 minutes and change. And to your point, no goals in seven coming into play tonight, only one even-strength goal on the season for Evgeny Kuznetsov. It's nice, encouraging, if you want to say, to see him trending in the right direction. At the end of the day, a guy like him, paid to produce, paid to, to score, you know, the, regularly a 20-goal score, even in the quote-unquote off years that he's had. Over the past couple of seasons, he's still been able to put up numbers. And uh, we haven't seen that so far this season. So to me, John, in in March, if you want to say here the biggest storyline for the Capitals as far as individuals is the goaltending battle, I'll say the progress of Evgeny Kuznetsov, a key, key storyline coming into the season. You give him maybe a bit of a mulligan because of all the time he's missed. But now as you get to the midpoint of the season coming up in the next couple of weeks... I think number 92, a big, big storyline here in the month of March, certainly to, to get rolling and, and build something that he could build off of in the second half. Yeah, he's got to have a good second half for sure. The Capitals are going to stay where they are right now, first place 
in the Mass Mutual East Division entering play tonight. The Capitals did not practice on Thursday. The Bruins did. Bruce Cassidy talking with assembled Bruins media yesterday. He was only in Washington for 15 months. He was fired 28 games into the season in 2004 and then went 14 years between NHL gigs. Coached in Providence for a time in the American League and then replaced Claude Julien in 2017. It was the story here of a mishandled locker room with the players. And then it became public in the media. And he benched Callie Johansson and Callie Joe never played here again. And, you know, there were some hard things that he went through as head coach. He was a young coach. He'd never coached in the NHL before. And he gave a pretty reflective answer yesterday on his time in Washington. I just like to think I'm you know, 20 years smarter, more intelligent, uh, using my eyes and ears around the game of hockey. So in, in that regard, you're just going to learn. If you don't, shame on you, right? I mean, you, you should after that much time, you should stay in the game, even though it's different levels. You're going to learn different things about people. You're going to learn different things about the game, how to communicate. Uh, some of that you pick up, like I said, along the way, watching some of it, you know, you, you read stuff, some of it you learn from others. Some of it's just being a little more confident in your ability to, to do your job over time. You, you know, you get a little more conviction. I look back then, it was, there was a lot of newness. I've said this before, I'd never been in the NHL much. So I think that was the biggest hurdle for me was accepting the fact you're in the best league in the world and, and being able to handle everything that goes along with that in the end, that league. So that was all new to me. And, and that was one thing that, you know, the second time around, at least I had some experience. Benny, Bruce Cassidy, a class guy, well-spoken there. This is someone who made the most of a second chance and a really nice coaching story for someone who went so long and the road back to the National Hockey League. I mean, it takes you the better part of 20 years, but last year, you're Jack Adams winner. Yeah, and it's an example, and there are many throughout coaching and throughout among coaches in the NHL who realize it's one thing to know the game, and to know coaching and to know X's and O's and to be able to communicate that. But so much of coaching also, it's about management. It's about managing people and being a leader of men. And it reminds me his story, Butch Cassidy, to an extent of something that I recall from Paul Maurice. This is like 10 years ago, John, that the Hurricane, he was coaching the Hurricanes. Hurricanes had a practice at, at Kettler. This is 2010, 11-ish. And he was approaching his thousandth game, Paul Maurice was. I was the only media member there at Kettler. I asked him. I said, you're approaching a thousand games. What do you know now that you didn't know a thousand games ago? The first time you were with the Hartford Whalers Hurricanes organization all those years ago, he said, it's all about people. And you have to know that. And a lot of coaches come in their first gig, Bruce Cassidy, an example, you come in your first gig and you think it's X's and O's. You think it's hockey. You think it's wins and losses. It's all part of it. You have to realize how to handle egos, how to handle men, how to handle single players, how to handle family men. And it's something that Bruce Cassidy, you hear from his former teammates, guys who played in the Capitals organization, it, it's what they felt he, he largely missed the boat on. And Cassidy himself has acknowledged that. And it took a long time, to your point, 14 years for him to get back into the NHL. But it certainly sounds like, and I remember him talking before the Stanley Cup final against St. Louis in 2019 about the lessons he learned. And it was very similar to what I remember Paul Maurice saying about how you learn that these are men, these are people, and you got to treat them like that. And ultimately, Barry Trotz was the same way. Ultimately, you cultivate that family culture, and it goes a long way to having the team then buy in to the hockey message you want to sell them. Yeah, well said. As we switch gears and take a look at what was a busy night last night around the Mass Mutual East Division, the New York Islanders get 45 shots on net and down the Buffalo Sabres, 5-2 to two the final at Nassau Coliseum. 
And the Sabres now, the lowest point total in all the National Hockey League, Ben, something's got to change in Buffalo. Now, fewer points than Detroit, fewer points than Ottawa. Something's got to change. I feel like it's a cry for help this season, what's going on in Buffalo. And now it's to the point, I mean, they're, they're, getting, they're getting mocked, they're getting laughed at, uh, you know, from national pundits all, all the way down. And, you know, on the bright spot, I guess Taylor Hall scored a goal in this loss to the New York Islanders. That's what they could put their hat on. But boy, do they have so many issues. And what do they do, John? I mean, they've changed coaches. They've changed management. It's easier said than done to break up the core of that team. Jack Eichel, there's questions. Does he even want to be there? He's got a $10 million contract. That's tough to just unload and trade and find a trading. You have to take salary back. What do you want to take back? Someone else's bad contract? I mean, for such a a great hockey market and a great fan base and what is otherwise, from what I understand, a, a good organization, Gosh, it's something's got to give there. And I don't know what they do, John, because they've, they've done just about everything in the 10 years since they last made uh, the playoffs going back to 2011. Don't know if it'd be a, a Bruce Boudreau or a Gerard Gallant, but something. And hate to speculate on Ralph Kruger's job, but I, I don't know what else you do there when you've got everybody completely tuned out and you're looking up at the entire National Hockey League again. Final score last night, 5-2 as the Islanders take him down. What a night for Chris Kreider on the road against the New Jersey Devils. Heedle, Kreider shoots, he scores! It's a hat trick for Chris Kreider! Watch Heedle right there, gets in, and then the pass to Kreider and the finish. And of course you have Strom going to the net, what a shot. Ah, Sam Rosen on the call. Chris Kreider, the hat trick, that's nine goals, Benny, in six games. He's on fire and the Rangers... Bottom half of this division, but big win for him against the Devs in New Jersey fading out too. Yeah, feeding off a Devils team that has suddenly lost four in a row and seven of eight overall. Another goal for Alexi Lafreniere. And of note for the Rangers, Igor Shesterkin left that game late in the third period. Looked like a lower body injury. Did not look good. Had to be helped off the ice. So we'll see what his status is, but a big win for the Rangers. Yes. And then there was the hairball that was the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. How about Chris Letang scoring 246 into the game against Brian Elliott? Mark Friedman then at 320 and Jared McCann at 357. 3 nothing Pittsburgh, less than four minutes in. Ah, it's going to be one of those nights for the Flyers. You would be wrong. Now here's Lindblom. Brown hoping for Giroux. Matheson tied him up. Lindblom gets it back, takes a look around, flips one, hit a defenseman in front, bounces free. They get it in front, they score! Giroux! Able to get his stick on it, and the Flyers take a 4-3 lead. Jim Jackson on the call. The Flyers win it. Claude Giroux gets the game winner in the third period. And how about Pittsburgh last night? You're in the outside the top four. You've got a 3-0 lead against your in-state rival, and that's what happens? On the night, you get Sidney Crosby back, too, from the COVID list, and you build that early lead, and... They don't even get a loser point. Claude Giroux's game-winning goal coming with just over two minutes remaining in regulation. Tremendously deflating for Pittsburgh. Clearly not part of their plan, not part of their itinerary last night against Philadelphia. Not at all. So the division race as we wake up on this Friday morning, it's the Capitals and the Islanders at 30 points. The Islanders have played one more game, same number of wins, 13 apiece for the Caps and the Isles. Philadelphia, big win for them. Now three points back at 27. They're tied with Boston and Pittsburgh. Five behind Washington, two behind a playoff spot. The Rangers, by virtue of that win last night against the Devils, by the way, now within four points of the Pens for the fifth spot. All right, so it's Friday, and you got something fun for us, right, Benny? We do. We're going to call it a little onside-offside. We make a statement. We toss out a question. We debate. Are we buying it? 
Are we selling it? We'll start with the goaltending situation, John. Capitals have 34 games remaining, onside or offside. Ilya Samsonov will start at least 14 of the remaining 34 games. I'm going to say offside, and the reason I do, and this is based on, by the way, what the schedule is right now. It is subject to change. We have all learned that the hard way, but if the schedule remains as it is, Capitals don't have that many back-to-backs. They've got a very busy month of April where they're playing about every other day, but you are not in a position where you're going to have a back-to-back. So the only way that Ilya gets to that mark is if he becomes the number one goaltender again, and he might. It's possible. Certainly wouldn't rule it out. But the way that Vitek Vanacek has gone, I would certainly expect Vitek would go again tonight against Yara Halak. I think Vitek's going to be the guy, and I don't know that he's going to get to 14 games. He will get games. And if Vitek falters, he'll be able to step in, and that may change the trajectory. But I believe in Vitek Vanacek and what he's done to this point. Ely will get his games, but I think Vitek gets enough. I don't think it gets to 14. Six back-to-backs remaining for the Capitals the rest of the way. Offensively, Jacob Verana and Nicholas Backstrom, seven even-strength goals each. That is tops on the team. Alex Ovechkin has five even-strength goals. Onside or offside? Alex Ovechkin will lead the Capitals at season's end in even strength goals. Onside, onside, onside. Alex Ovechkin will lead this team in even strength goals. Absolutely. It's been a great start for Nicky. It's been an uneven stint here for Vrana, but he's been good lately. Neither one will have the even strength goals that Alex will by the end of the year. Jacob Verana, all seven of his goals having come at even strength. Keeping with the forwards, Connor Sherry getting a look, at least he has been, with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov on that number one line. Onside or offside, flipping Sherry and Oshie, as Laviolette has done. Good for business long term. I'm going to say onside. I really like what Connor Sherry has done, and I think it gives you the luxury, if you're Coach Laviolette, of being able to spread out veterans across three lines. We know the fourth line is going to stay the same. We've seen a lot of mixing and matching among the top three lines. I like Connor Sherry in that spot. I think that he has the wheels to keep up with those guys, and he's played among big players before. He made his money early on in his career playing with Sidney Crosby. I think he can handle it. I think it's a good call. Onside. All right, going around the division, we touched on the Pittsburgh Penguins. They do have the longest active playoff streak in the NHL. 14 straight appearances for the Penguins. Onside or offside, that streak extends to 15 in the Mass Mutual East Division this year. This one gives me so much pain because every time you think that Pittsburgh is going to be on the out, they find a way and they do it and they're still on the outside. It was an awful, awful game for them last night. I don't know where their heart is in this season. You get Crosby back and something like that happens. I am going to say onside. I think they're going to miss, and that's a change, and I admit it, from the beginning of the year, I really thought at the beginning of the season they were going to be in the top four. I'm really starting to doubt it because I really like Boston. I really like the Flyers, and I'm not betting against Barry Trotz. And if you're going to go with somebody who's, who's going to be without a chair after all of that, yeah, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. I think they miss. I think that's onside. Certainly feels like five teams vying for the four spots. And last one, the Boston Bruins, it's been said, have the best goaltending tandem in the division between Tuukka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Onside or offside, the Philadelphia Flyers, the second best goaltending tandem in the Mass Mutual East Division. Again, this is a tight one for me. I love this question, though. I I think I'm going to go onside. I think the Flyers do have right now the second best and not just because of Carter Hart, because I'm a little uncertain of Hart and whether or not he is the real deal. I think he is, 
uh, but he's got to win on the road. He's got to do it in the playoffs. But Brian Elliott is a veteran. It gives them a very nice option. I mean, the Caps have two kids in goal that I think have all kinds of upside, but they don't have the experience come to playoffs. Pittsburgh doesn't either. Uh, I think that's true. I think the Flyers do have the second best. I'm going to go on side on that one. And don't sleep on the Islanders tandem of Sorokin and Varlamov playing behind that stingy defensive bunch in the New York Islanders. That is how we do it. Onside, offside. Thanks for playing, John. We don't have any door prizes. Uh, Rice-a-roni for me on the way out the door. Yes, wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, that is going to do it for our show for this week. It is Friday. We will see you again on Monday, Monday through Friday, our brand new show here on Caps Radio 24-7. Caps this morning. It's the Caps and the Bruins tonight. That guy will have your pregame beginning here on Caps Radio 24-7 at 4 o'clock. Network air tonight from TD Garden with Ken and yours truly at 6.45. Have a great weekend, Ben. Have a great weekend, everyone. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.